you know, as we go to God's word this morning, you know, some of you may feel like you've been going the wrong direction, and maybe you just feel like you've, you've lost connection. This passage, this chunk of scripture is so powerful in reminding us that God never gives up on us, that he never lets go of his children, that his love, compassion, and graciousness is just the deepest need of our soul. So wherever you are this morning, may you hear the precious truth of God's word. This past week, I met um, with some people going through just a horrendous tragedy, heavy grief, and we, they talked for a long time, sharing their pain. You know, at the end, I really had no words. No words that wouldn't have just sounded kind of pat. And so I said, can I read Psalm 103 to you? And with tears in their eyes, they said, please. And they knew the scripture. And it spoke truth and grace. It didn't remove the grief and the pain. But God spoke his mercy and grace. And may that be so today. So hear God's word, Psalm 103. I'm going to walk us through it because there's so much here. And this is such a, a rich and powerful uh, psalm. And, you know, some of the psalms, uh, they speak to different things. So, you know, you, you, you've got, um, you know, Psalm um, uh, 42, where there, you just know the psalmist is dealing with depression. And you have uh, Psalm 46, where, where you just, you know, the, the earth is just shaken and everything is just falling apart. And, and you have Psalm 51, where David is, you know, just confronted with his sin and bringing it before the, the mercy seat of God. And this, though, Psalm 103 is considered more of a general more of a, a, a general psalm, and we believe that it's David that writes it, more the end of his life. And he's preaching to himself. He's, he's, he's writing this and preaching it to himself that he would not forget all the good benefits. And so this is a general psalm which really deals with everything we can be facing at any time. Would you pray with me, please, before we look at his word? God, we just pray that you'd meet us where we are, that your holy word would be planted deep in our soul. God, that every part of our being would sense the power and the grace and the mercy of the one true living triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bless your holy name. Amen and amen. So in the NIV, we have it translated, praise the Lord. Some of us have memorized it as, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's a well-known psalm. But here's why praise is actually better translation, because when you think about bless, like you think, oh, God has blessed me, we think of God has given us something. Well, for us to bless the name of the Lord, we can give God nothing. I mean, it says in, in Acts, God needs nothing from us. And so, in a sense, a better word is than bless is that we are praising his name. We're lifting high. We're, we're giving adoration. So it starts off with this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. 
all my inmost being, praise his holy name. See, this is not just like a light, uh, yeah, you know, I'm on my phone, I'm watching a TV show, you know, I'm doing the dishes. I mean, you can praise God while you're doing the dishes. Trust me, I do it all the time. But you know, notice, this is a deep, praise the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We are going to come back to that because that is absolutely key to this entire scripture. And then it's talking about the benefits of the Lord. Who forgives all your sins? One sin? Two sins? The minuscule smaller sin? All all your sins. A well-known atheist, when she was dying, said, I envy you Christians because you have somebody to forgive you. I have nothing. This is where, where David is preaching to himself. He forgives all our sins. Now, consider for a moment what that would have meant for David. David on the rooftop lusting after another man's wife having an affair with her, adultery, manipulating the situation so that her husband, Uriah, is killed. And as a consequence, he and Bathsheba lose their first son. Think about preaching to yourself, who forgives all, all. The adultery, the manipulation, Forgives all David's sin. Forgives all of our sins. P.P. P. Bliss put into music the writings of his close friend Horatio Spafford, who said this, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. We've been pardoned by the sacrificial blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Who forgives or who heals all your diseases? We believe as followers of Jesus Christ that our God is a healing God. Jehovah Rapha is one of the ways he revealed himself. The Lord Jehovah who heals. Any healing is basically from the hand of God. But I know so many read this and it's like, but I have been praying for years or I prayed for somebody I loved and they were never physically healed. And this healing speaks to physical, spiritual, emotional, and the most important is spiritual because some people will never be healed on this side of eternity. And it doesn't mean that God hasn't heard. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love and is not acting. But in his sovereign, divine hand, he has chosen a different way. But we see in Revelation 21, a picture of heaven, where it says this is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end speaking. He says there will be a place for the follower of Jesus Christ, of perfect healing, there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more struggle. 
for the old order of things has passed away and the new has come. We continue to pray. I talked recently to somebody. They've been praying 21 years. 21 years every single day. And on this side of eternity, as of now, the physical healing has not happened. Ah, oh, but how their heart soars in the presence of God as they trust him and his goodness. Amen? Amen. This is really good news, people. We will be healed. One day when, when, when the trump shall rise and the dead in Christ shall rise, I mean, when, when Jesus comes back and, and the, 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 the trump plays and the dead in Christ, we will be raised imperishable. What all that means, I don't know. But the scripture says better is one day in the courts of the Lord, healed in his presence than anywhere else. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. The, the pit here, you know, there, there's one of three ways we can get into the pit. We're, we're pu pushed in, we fall in, or we jump in. Now this pit most likely is really talking about the grave, which is the darkest pit of all. But what does it say? He redeems. He redeems. He, he redeems us from slavery and darkness and oppression. I don't know, this is old school, but if anybody ever had green stamps or blue chip stamps, do you remember that? You buy gas and they would actually, because they wanted you to come and you know, you'd get these stamps and you fill up your book and then you could go and redeem them for something. See, it's talking about that because of what Jesus has done for us, we are redeemed from the final pit of death. For by Jesus' holiness and power, he raised himself from the dead and overcame sin, Satan, and what scripture calls the last enemy, death. He redeems our life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. You know, a crown. We are children of the king. This talks about our position. Who are you? You think you're a nobody? You're not as good as a lot of people probably, and neither am I, compared to what people think in this world. But see, my God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he crowns us. We, we are children of the king. Our our position is as a child of the king. There's this meme that I've seen, and maybe you've seen it too. It goes around if you're having a bad day or something, and there's somebody, you know, a little girl standing there, and her crown is tilted, and it says something like, you know, put your crown back on and remember to whom you belong. We are children of the king. And this says he crowns us with love and compassion. You know, it's just not a gold crown with a lot of jewels. I mean, in all honesty with that, you, you would end up getting a really bad headache. But he crowns us, and, and the crown is, is never-ending. Like, like a wedding ring, that idea that it's, it's a never-ending love and compassion. Verse 5, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He satisfies our desires, you know, we spend so much time longing for things that are so temporary at best. Somebody's just telling me that they are so mad at themselves because they spend so much money on Amazon because it's just so easy. And then they go on and then it shows them, hey, you bought this and you probably also would like this, this, and this. Thinking that if we have this, 
or if people think a certain way about us, or if we're in a certain relationship, you know, then we'll be satisfied. But true satisfaction that can never be taken away is that which comes from the living God. Psalm 63, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In our confession, I, when we were reading, it said, satisfy the real thirst of our soul. The real thirst. You know, the woman at the well, drink of this water, you will never thirst again. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And you think, wow, have we found the fountain of youth? <laughs> I mean, I don't need Botox or surgery. I mean, right here it says, my youth is going to be renewed. <laughs> I don't think that's what it's talking about. You know, Isaiah 40, you know, that's just um, those that trust in the Lord will renew their strength. You know, just will rise up like eagles, the strength of the eagle's wings. It's not talking about doing away with our wrinkles. Personally, I feel like I've earned these wrinkles. I'm happy. But it's talking about the strength that God gives us, renewing us no matter what we are going through. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Oh my goodness, the news. You look around the world and the oppression. This is saying ultimately that God's justice... His righteousness works for the oppressed. Oppression does not have the final say. Evil never has the final say. Amen? Amen. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. And we'll go back to this because this whole idea of forget not. Well, the Israelites forgot and forgot and forgot, and yet God in his mercy showed his deeds to them. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. You know what's funny? People say this. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've said it. Wow, the God of the Old Testament, he seems like he's so always angry and mad. But the God of the New Testament is really loving and kind. Well, they're the same God. Triune God. God never you know, changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is God. God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Again, picture being David. Heavy with his sin. God does not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. You know, the thing is, God is just, and so sins have to be paid for. But the reason we can take hope in this passage is because Jesus Christ paid the price. Justice was paid for by the righteous blood of Jesus Christ. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, and that just... You know, you cannot measure it. That's the point of this. And listen to this pr precious promise. So great is his love for those who fear him. You think you're not worthy. You think you're unlovable. You're, you think, you know, you're not the most popular person. Everybody else you know has more friends, better friends. W what does this say? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love. 
for those who fear him. And by the way, it is tied. There's a, 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 you know, a cause and effect here for those who fear him. We see this. Tied to the promise is a command that, that we fear the Lord, that we are in holy awe of him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us again. Any of us who have confessed our sins and then we find in the middle of the night that we start to say, oh, there's no way. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe if anybody knew. But see, what does God say? East and west never touch. You can go east. You never touch the west. So it's using this analogy here. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. See, this is talking about the fact that, you know, um, I don't know if you do an Ash Wednesday service here, but, you know, when we take the ashes, and it's from Genesis 3, from the ashes you've come, from the dust you've come, and to the dust you shall return, blessed be the name of the Lord. This is at once a humbling reality. You know, the greatest, what what we would call the greatest in this world, or, or the richest, or the most powerful, everybody came from the dust, and she'll return to the dust. Everybody. You know, they say if you, you're nervous and meeting somebody, just picture them doing something really stupid or in their underwear or something, and then you'll feel... Well, here all you have to remember is, you know, that person that I'm really nervous about, dust. They're from the dust. They're going to the dust, just like me. No different. One little boy heard this in Sunday school. He heard that from the dust we come and to the dust we return. And he turned to his friend and he said, I don't know, but, you know, I look under my bed and, I, and see all the dust there, and I'm not sure if people are coming or going. <laughs> um. But I love that picture, and it reminds us, you know, the, the humility. Um, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love, everlasting, that means it does not end. It does not end. Does God stop loving you? Is there something you can do? Is there something you've done? But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. You know, we have two new grandbabies. Um, Madison Grace and Natalie Joy. And you know, when my children were little, I would stand outside their room every night and I would pray, literally every night from when they were in the crib, and that God would protect them emotionally, physically, and above all, spiritually. And now I pray that over my children's children, these two babies. And you know, this is no promise that every child is going to come in fear of the Lord, but we can pray it. We pray this righteousness over them. And we never give up with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Boy, do I pray that. Pray that for your children and your children's children. And if you have great-grandchildren, it will be your children's children's children. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you whose servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. This is the great and precious truth that God deserves praise. And the scripture says that if we do not praise him, even the rocks will cry out. To praise his holy name because he is worthy.
He is worthy. And it's, David here is talking about the heavenly host, the angel, the mighty, you know, Gabriel and the archangel Michael. They praise the name of God. Okay, so here I want to give you some practical because this, it all boils down to this. It's uh, Psalm 105 right now. It all boils down to getting to the right scripture. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's not a new thought. The way we praise God's holy name is to not forget his benefits, but to remember, to remember, to remember. And as we remember, we praise him. Now, when it says forget not, it's not saying forgetting an intellectual fact. But let me give you an example. The other day, I was doing a load of laundry. And I was putting these um, pants in, three pairs of pants that I wear when I walk in the morning. I walk with a friend. And I was about to put soap in and close it and be on my way. I'm thinking about a whole bunch of different stuff. And all of a sudden, I thought, you know what? I better check the pockets. And what do you think I found? Kleenex, Kleenex, Kleenex. Anybody forget and wash your clothes and dry your clothes with Kleenex in the pocket? I mean, it's a mess, right? So have you ever really forgotten that fact? I've never really forgotten that fact, but, but here's the thing. When I'm doing the wash, my mind is everywhere here and there. And I forget that mess that happens. See, that's when he says, forget not my benefits, it's not as though... We intellectually have forgotten it, but we're so busy and distracted about so many things that we forget to take this, not just in a factual mode that we could write on a paper, but into the deepest parts of our soul. And I'll tell you people, the devil is in the distractions. I mean, when I grew up, we had one television in the living room, which we, I mean, I can't believe this, we had to get up, walk over, and change the channel. I mean, talk about a rough upbringing. But today, I mean, there's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, WhatsApp, uh, TikTok. I don't even know what's out there. So many things to be distracted. Somebody did a study. I don't even know who paid for this study, but that's a whole other point that the average person who has an iPhone picks up their iPhone 2,600 times a day. You don't think that's a distraction? And in the year 2000, they did a study, and the average human had a 12-second attention span. Over 20 years later, we now have an 8-second attention span. And here you go, get this, I'm not done making you feel really bad about yourself. Goldfish have a nine-second attention span, which means a goldfish has a one-second longer attention span than we do because we're so distracted. John Ortberg said this, for most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. So here is the key in this passage and throughout the scripture to not forget the benefits of the Lord, to remember, to remember, and to praise in such a way that it goes to the very depth of our soul, to preach to ourselves, to talk to ourselves. They say if you talk to yourself, at least you know one person's listening. And here's the good news about talking to yourself today. People just assume you're on a, a phone call. You know, used to be with thing, aren't they kind of crazy? But now you're, you're just, you're on a phone call. Preach to yourself. Talk to yourself the truth of God's word. That's what David's doing here. 
my, my sin with, with Bathsheba, as far as the east is from the west. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night, oh my goodness, God, I'm so sorry. We remember and we, we stand and we preach to ourselves, thank you, God. We meditate on his benefits. We marinate in them. We pray the truth of God's word. Um, Spurgeon was asked the question, which is more important to the Christian, reading God's word or praying? And what he said was, well, let me think about that. Which is more important, breathing in or breathing out? You know, and to pray the scripture, we know that we are praying the very will of God, that it would permeate our innermost being, penetrate our soul, and change our desires, our attitudes, and our behaviors. Talk to ourselves, to yourself, preach to yourself. You know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you are worried, that's when you take these promises and you preach to yourself. When you're driving somewhere and all of a sudden you, you become bitter or envious of another, when you, you preach to yourself the truth of God's word, you see, and then draw near to God and he will draw near to you, resist the devil and he will flee. We stand on the word of God, we preach it to ourselves, we speak to ourselves. I've been journaling, I'm not a big journaler, never a big journaler, but starting with the pandemic, somebody challenged me and they challenged me to write three blessings that God has given to me each morning. Okay, I'll do it. It has been such a healthy to, to remember the benefits of God. So we preach to ourselves, we journal, um, we, we remind ourselves over and over, memorize God's holy word so that it comes back to us when, when those doubts come in, when we begin to believe something that is a lie from the pits of hell. You know, Satan is a liar, he's the prince of darkness, he speaks lie language. And then our own sinful nature and our own brokenness. Well, we speak God's truth. Um, my husband, uh, we have an Awanas uh, program at our church on Wednesday nights with the kids. And they asked my husband last week if he would be one of the people that would listen to the children say their memory verse. And we're really excited because it's like, well, we'll memorize those too. Because we want to get, we've kind of lost that. We did that a lot when our kids were growing up. And, but we want to get back to that. Because, you know, years ago I memorized Psalm 121. And I live in the San Gabriel Valley. So whenever I leave my home and I see those mountains, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? It comes from the Lord, who is the maker of the heavens and the earth. And I say that to myself when I'm overwhelmed and I don't know the decision and I feel like I'm not good enough and I can't handle a situation. I say, I lift up my eyes to the God who made them. He is my helper. See, we preach truth to ourselves. So I want to challenge you, and then I'm going to close with this story. I want to challenge you, and it might be with this psalm, to just dig in to claim the promises, to write them down. You know, put them on an index card, put it on your mirror, put it on the console in your car. You know, just constantly preaching to yourself God's truth. I want to close with this story. I mean, again, I just, that, the key in a nutshell of this sermon, there's so many truths here, but it's that we would not forget any of this. And when we worry and when we're bitter and when we manipulate and if we lie, it's all because we are not remembering who God is. We are not fully trusting in his goodness. So whether we preach to ourselves, and we should preach to ourselves, talk to ourselves, memorize, pray the scripture, put it in, put it in. So Tom Schmidt tells of his experience, and he wrote it in a book called Trying to Be Good. 
uh, a book on doing for thinking people. He tells about a time in his life when he was in school. And he decided to do some volunteer work. And so he went to this state-run convalescent home to volunteer. And he said it was not at all a pleasant place. And he said on the particular day he was walking in, he was walking down a hallway that, you know, and, and he saw this woman in a wheelchair. Her face was, he said, was an absolute whore. She was strapped up in the wheelchair because she couldn't walk. Her, her muscles had all atrophied. She had a, uh, her eyes were kind of milky white, so... He knew that she was blind. She had a big hearing aid on, knew that you know, she was deaf. She had a cancerous growth on one side of her face. I mean, it, just, it, was, it was very, very sad. And he learned later that she was 89 years and that she had been bedridden, blind, nearly deaf, and alone in this convalescent home for 25 years. Her name was Mabel. And Tom and Mabel over the weeks became friends. And he said he's not sure at what point it went from him trying to bless Mabel by sitting there to Mabel blessing him to the point where he would bring a notepad to write things down that Mabel shared. He said during one hectic week of final exams, he was frustrated and overwhelmed and kind of angry because his mind was just everywhere, pulled in distractions everywhere. And he said the question occurred to him, what does Mabel have to think about? I mean, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, not even able to know if it's day or night. What does Mabel think about? He said, so I went to her and asked, Mabel, what do you think about when you lie here? She said without hesitation, I think about my Jesus. I think about how good he's been to me. He's been awfully good to me in my life, you know. I'm one of those kind who's mostly satisfied. Lots of folks wouldn't care much for what I think. Lots of folks would think I'm kind of old-fashioned, but I don't care. I'd rather have Jesus. He's all the world to me. And then Mabel began to sing an old hymn. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, and my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. What power. See, this, this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's 66 books of the Bible, a love letter that we would not forget the benefits, but that we would sing them to ourselves. We would meditate on them. We would marinate in them. You know, we get so much outside stuff. We start our day. We read throughout our day. We end our day with the truth. Not forgetting the benefits, but being reminded over and over that we are loved, that we are forgiven, that God has a purpose. Brothers and sisters, this is the good news. And God has given it to us that we would not walk in a place of despair and doubt, but in joy and hope. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? Oh, gracious Lord, thank you. You are good and you are faithful. Thank you for this reminder today of your holy and wonderful benefits. God, would you help us and protect us from being so distracted 
by the world that we neglect to, to marinate and meditate upon the truth and, until your holy word just lights our hearts and our souls on fire. God, thank you. Speak to us and through us for your glory. Amen and amen.